right here. All right. So good to see you guys this morning. Today is a special day uh, as we're focusing on local ministry. It is so awesome that you're here today. I'm so excited to share with you from God's word some things that we know about his heart for our community, for our people, for people that you may run into every day, for people that you may not see on a daily basis, but God has really given uh, clear instruction and a clear heart uh, for us to be with. So things are gonna feel a little bit different today. I pray that you embrace that change. I pray that you embrace that and be here as we um, dive right in. So as we get started, I've got about four people coming up. Uh, that are involved in local ministry around the city. And what we're gonna do is we're just gonna spend some time and talk with them about what local ministry is to them and why they're involved. So I'll let them get situated up here and then I'll have them uh, introduce themselves as well. So um, how about as we just go down the line, tell me, tell us your name, uh, where you're serving in local ministry and why you serve there. Okay, I'm Emily, and I serve at the Glen Mary, which is where Barrett was just talking about a few minutes ago. Um, I serve there. Truly, that wasn't my first place that I was interested in going, and one of my friends was like, no, you have to come to the Glen Mary. It's awesome. And I went, and now it's my main place that I go, and I love it. Um, but I go and just form relationships with these ladies who were some of the people, like, we're family to them. We're the people they see most frequently, some of them. So it's just nice to form relationships with them in a way that you can't in other venues and just be able to love on them in a fun and yet easy, practical way. Awesome. My name is Ashley, and I serve over at MAM, so Memphis Athletic Ministries. Um, And I serve there just because the kids have stolen my heart, and they're just so sweet and loving and just need someone to care about them. I'm Bradley. I serve at the St. Jude Target House. For those of you that aren't familiar with it, basically they take kids from all over the world that have cancer and their families and they bring them here to Memphis and they treat them free of charge. And a lot of these families, they're here for six months, if not longer at a time. They just, they're, they don't know anybody. So we, what we do is we go there and we play games, do crafts with the kids and get to know the kids. And we try to reach out to the families and help them however we can, just get to know them even if it's just praying for them or listening to them. But in the past, like, we've helped them find places to live around around Memphis. And some families needed cars, so we helped them find it. And even the – I was talking to Jordan about the Serbia mission trip kind of evolved the St. Jude mission. My name is Laura, and I serve over at Salvation Army Purdue Center of Hope, which is just a stone's throw away from the church. And um, I blame or give credit to Sharice Tooley for getting me involved there. Um, We started about two years ago, and um, she just asked me as I was um, coordinating the women's ministry here um, if I would come and be a part of it. And um, I've been a part of it ever since. And um, it's just truly a blessing to be able to spend time with the women there that are, um, have gone through a lot of uh, trauma and just um, a lot of challenges and are trying to uh, really um, just seek transformation in their lives. And so we just go there once a month to be able to connect with them. And um, Audrey and a courageous crew uh, hang out with the kids while we do that. And so it's a great, great ministry. How have you seen, um, what have you learned 
from God by serving in these ministries? What are some of the things, maybe Ashley, if you could tell us about with ma'am, what are some things that you've learned about God through that you wouldn't have learned if you weren't serving in local ministry at ma'am? I think the biggest thing that I've learned is just, you just have to say yes. Um, if, you know, if God is placing the call in your heart to go serve someplace, just go. It doesn't matter if you don't think you can do it because you really, you can. All you have to do is say yes, show up, and the rest will happen. I mean, it's really, it's not hard. Laura, would you speak on how some of the ladies and children you've met over at Salvation Army, how they've impacted you personally, and how that's kind of propelled you forward in your relationship with Christ as well? Yeah, I would never probably have met any of these women had I not um, walked across the street and um, gotten to know them. And it's just, um, it's really been a blessing to me because, um, um, I mean, they've gone through things that I um, haven't gone through, but yet we uh, we're all broken people and we all uh, are in need of the Lord's grace and transformation in our lives. And so it's really been a blessing for me to, to get to know them um, and um, just to hear um, their hearts and see how the Lord is at work uh, in them and to be able to share with them as well. And just to be um, just encouraged and blessed by their uh, transparency and um, just um, humility and, and desire for, for God to help them just as much as I desire God to help me. Anybody else want to add on to that? Have you seen um, people in those local ministries impact your life? Maybe Emily? Um, I know for me, like I said, Glen Mary was not my first choice. I find myself drawn to working with kids. It's a lot easier for me and more natural. Um, so I just think it showed me that, you know, sometimes the hard things are the things that you have to do and you, like Ashley said, you just have to be willing to say, like, yes, God, use me where you have me because it's been such a blessing just getting to know those women and I always leave feeling like they've loved me more than I could have ever loved them. So, Brad, what would you say to someone who's like debating if they should get involved in local ministry? How what would you say to convince them that they really need to do it? Just do it. <laughs> like, yeah, I get it. We're all busy and there's, and maybe you're nervous, but I promise you, if you do it, you'll be happy that you'll be useful being there. Even if you're just playing with the kids and don't have a deep conversation with them. Awesome. We all give these guys. Also, I want to say we especially need people that speak other languages, especially <laughs> Spanish. Give these guys a hand. Uh, it really is a great opportunity, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the specific things uh, that you can get involved with later on. But right now, I really want to do this. I want to open up God's Word today to 2 Corinthians we're going to be in chapter 5 today. So if you'll do that with me as we open up God's Word. And uh, if you'll just pray with me that this time would just be anointed by the Lord. That we would hear from His Word. And that we would know exactly what He desires for us to do. So we pray with me as we begin? Heavenly Father, God, I thank You for today. God, I thank You that You um, have done everything uh, to bring us back to You. God, You have done everything to give us a right relationship with You. God, there is nothing that we could have done to have a relationship with you. God, in our brokenness, in our spiritual poverty, God, in our um, despair, God, as orphans, God, we had no hope. 
And yet, God, in your great love, in your great grace, your abundant grace, God, you reached down from heaven. God, and you ordained salvation for us through the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, and we cannot repay you. God, you do not require us to. But God, you have plans for us. And I pray that as we open these pages of 2 Corinthians, God, that we would open our ears, God, that we would open our hearts to understanding what that plan is and how we can be involved and be ministers and ambassadors of your grace, of your great wealth, and of your reconciliation across this city to all people everywhere. In your name we pray, amen. So if you don't mind, I'd like to just jump right in because we have so much to go over and so much to cover today. So we're gonna be starting in verse 11 of 2 Corinthians. For some of you that maybe uh, don't know a lot about the Bible, 2 Corinthians we see is written by Paul. It's a letter to the church of Corinth. What we can see all through 1 and 2 Corinthians is basically instruction uh, and, and basically understanding that he's writing to this particular church to try to help them know how to live life surrendered to Christ. There are some speed bumps that they go through in 1 and 2 Corinthians that, that Paul has to iron out. But then there are some questions that always come up because the world that the church of Corinth was living in, there are a lot of things that, and we'll talk about this later, there are a lot of similarities in that world that they were living in then as there are today. And so there were some questions about what ministry what really Paul in the church of Corinth was talking about as they were preaching the gospel and the community around them, the city around them began asking questions about why are you doing this and what are you doing this for? And so that's where we pick up here in 2 Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, and we see Paul kind of starting and saying, here's why we're doing what we're doing, here's what we're doing And here's what I want you to be a part of. So if you'll pick it up with me, we'll read all the way through and then we'll dissect it the rest of the day. So starting in verse 11, it says this. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what what we are is known to God. And I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about our outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. If you'll go on. For we are beside ourselves. It is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, 
not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Everybody take a deep breath. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. Starting in verse 11, we see that Paul is basically trying to help the church of Corinth understand why it is he and others are doing what they're doing. You see, if you go back uh, uh, to verse 11, he said, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. This fear that he has, it's an, a correct understanding of the Lord. It's not a trembling or a, a scared hiding in the closet from the Lord, but it's truly like a eyes wide open to who the Lord really is. And so what he's saying is we know who God is. And because he has made that known to us, we persuade others. And then he goes on in the next few verses and he begins to talk about the perception of the ministry that he's a part about. He, he begins to talk about how some will think that we're all about all, walking after outward appearance, that we care about you know, what, what it looks like, or they think that we wanna elevate ourselves in this ministry and look at what we've done instead of what Christ has done. And basically what Paul says is no, like we no longer regard anyone according to the flesh, right? We're not concerned about outward appearances. You may think, I mean, today, guys, in our city, more than ever in our nation, there are conversations about the differences of people based upon our outward appearances, based upon race, based upon socioeconomic communities, based upon all these things. And in that time, it was no different. They may not have had white people and black people, but I'll tell you what, they had Jews and they had Gentiles. They had two sets of people who did not understand one another. They had two sets of people who constantly looked at the other and said, I don't want any part of that because they're not where I am. I don't want, I don't want to be associated with that because they're not a Jew or they're not a Gentile. And if you look further at, the, at the, the Jewish people, the people that would be rooted kind of here, uh, in, even in these passages, if you, look, if you look at them, the pride that they had in their own nation, in their own race, in their own tradition, it really limited their ability to share the gospel to all people. And so what Paul is saying here is he's saying, no, 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 that's not what ministry is about. Ministry is about a correct understanding of the Lord. And from that correct understanding, no longer seeing people as black or white or poor or sick. No, 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 no. Ministry, true ministry, what we're walking in is about seeing people as broken. All of us in this room today, all of us in Corinth at that time, seeing people as broken and in need 
of the Lord. You see, if you go to the next, um, go to that progression slide, the truth is we all find ourselves in the same boat, right? It's funny because I think the boat would sink, all of us in it, but we all find ourselves in this same boat. And this boat is a boat that we need reconciliation. I do, you do, we all do. And that's for anyone that's, that goes to church. That's for anyone outside the church. That's for anyone that is a part of Ma'am, Glen Mary, St. Jude, anyone, anywhere. For all time, we've all needed reconciliation. And the truth is, in the need of our reconciliation, we search for the longest time to find it. Look through scripture. Just, I challenge you to look at all the creative ways that we came up to find and see if we could do, have reconciliation, right? What do we see? We see uh, Adam and Eve, right? For a while they obeyed, like they were in perfect union with God. But in their rebellion, sin entered the world. And through Adam's, like through that, all of us everywhere have needed reconciliation because we have been born into sin. We have a sin nature. And not only do we have a nature, but each of us, just look at your past. Just look at my past. We've chosen sin over God. There have been so many times, look at this last week in my life. Like there have been times I've chosen to disobey God instead of follow him. And because of that sin, it marks my life. I was talking to a kid the other day at MAM and I was trying to explain this idea of sin. And I was talking a little bit about sports and I said, you know, what would happen if someone came up to you in, uh, in the gym and said, all right, for the next 10 minutes, I want you to make every shot. Every shot you take, you make it. If after that 10 minutes is over, if you made every shot, I'm gonna write you a check for $100,000. Would you try to shoot? Well, yeah, I would. I'd try to make every shot. I said, sin is a little bit like this. Imagine the first shot you ever took, you missed. The very first shot you took, you missed. Imagine making every shot after that. And the 10 minutes is up and you look at him and you're like, man, I made 300 shots in a row. Like, it was, it was great. Like, but the guy said, actually, I, I, said, I said, make every shot. You see, for us to be in a right relationship with God, God requires perfection. He requires holiness. And friends, that is not something that is in our nature. It is not something that is ours. It is not something that we can attain on our own. You cannot reach to the heavens on your own accord. You cannot be in a right relationship with God on your own. Friends, all of us are in need of reconciliation. All of us are orphans of this world. We are fatherless to the love of the Father without his grace. Friends, all of us have a sickness and a disease and it is called sin and it mars our life. It puts us in a place that we cannot get out of. The wages of that sin is death. Friends, we are all poor. We got nothing in the bank account of our spiritual lives. We are bankrupt. There's no chance we can make an investment towards heaven. Guys, we are all strangers to the things of the Lord. We wouldn't know what to do with the things that the God desired for us 
if it weren't for him. We're strangers in need of a home and in need to be welcomed. That is where we are. That's our state. If you'll move to the next one, you'll see this. We see that in our need of reconciliation, Christ has reconciled us, which is amazing. If you'll turn, uh, the next slide is um, chapter 5, verse 13 through 15. We'll go to that one. We see this, for with, if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you, for the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. If you go on to verse uh, 16 in the next slide, you see this, from now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. There are really two jaw-dropping moments we have to understand kind of through today's passage. And this is the first, right? All of us, everywhere, in need of reconciliation, right, with no chance of getting it, God has reconciled us to himself by the death and resurrection of Jesus. That may seem like old news to you, but friends, I pray that today you realize the beauty of that and the power of that. You had no hope. You were helpless. There was nothing that you could do on your own accord to be made right with God. And yet God, for whatever reason, I will never know, decided that he wanted a relationship with us. And he bankrupted heaven, gave his only begotten son so that we could be made rich in salvation. He has given all things to us. Everything he owns is ours. And it's through Jesus Christ that we've been given that. And what is Jesus' main ministry? All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. We have a God who has given everything for our reconciliation. I don't know about you, but every time reconciliation has happened in my life, I walk out the door feeling like I have been lifted high because a a relationship that was once broken has now been mended and there is grace and there is peace and there is like joy because something that was lost is now found. Friends, you were lost. I was lost. But we have been found in Christ. If this news is old to you, I pray that today you would allow God to just soften your heart to the understanding that he has reconciled us to himself through everything that he has done and through nothing that we could do. God has done it all. 
The second jaw-dropping thing that God does is this. If you'll move to the next thing, it says that we are to be an ambassador of reconciliation. Now, this is really odd to me, um, and it may be odd to you when you think about what that means. But not only has God given us reconciliation with him, but if you look on later in verse 19, or sorry, verse 18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave you the ministry of reconciliation. When he talks about, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, what he's saying is that is ministry of reconciliation. I charge you, each of you, to be ministers of reconciliation. That is, what's that ministry? In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Guys, God has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. You have the hope of God in your life. You have become a child of God. You have the hope of God and you are to run with that hope of God and show that to others everywhere because you are a minister of reconciliation. God has given you the keys and he said, here, I want to use you to be reconcilers in this world to bring people to me. I think in my life, um, just personally, it's easier sometimes to see myself as reconciled and stop there. Like celebrate that, like what God has done in my life, but just end right there and stay in that celebration. But what we see here through Paul in 2 Corinthians is like, that's not what God desires at all. Like we have been reconciled so that we can reconcile. We have been given union with God so that we can bring others to union with God. There is a purpose for your salvation. Yes, your salvation is for you. It's the love that God has lavished upon you, the grace that he has given you when you, didn't need, when you couldn't have it, the righteousness that he's given you, like that is yours and that is for you and you should hold that and you should keep that and you should rely on that. That is your strength. But friends, God is not finished there because he's saying, because you have been reconciled, therefore reconcile others back to me. Be a minister of reconciliation. Be someone who is actively looking for others that need to know of the hope of Christ, that need to know of the hope, that need to understand his ministry of reconciliation, the need that we all have to be reconciled. Like I said, this is definitely the second most jaw-dropping thing that God does in this passage. Because why in the world would he use me? Why in the world would he use you? Those are some questions I'm eventually gonna ask and maybe get some answers to. But what I know is that that's what he's chosen to do. He has chosen to use you and I to be reconcilers in our world. And that looks really interesting. Actually, 
Another place that, uh, that we see it is we are to be ambassadors of reconciliation in our local community. In our local community. So we see in verse 20, Paul makes this really wonderful statement and he says this, therefore, he's, this whole time he has, he has talked about, here's what Christ does, here's what Christ desires, here's why we do what we do, but this is really the first time that we see Paul give a strong title to what we're supposed to do. He said, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. God making his appeal through us. We are ambassadors of reconciliation. And we're ambassadors where? What we see is we're ambassadors in our local community. Granted, we're ambassadors everywhere else as well. But ladies and gentlemen, the greatest opportunity that we have today is the places where you live, the places where you work, where you go to school, the people that you meet, the people that are around this city that are working your drive through windows, uh, that are filling your prescriptions, that you see at the park, that you see at the Levitt Shell, all those people, we have the opportunity to be ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors for Christ for the purpose of reconciliation in our local community. For what purpose? If you go on and see in uh, the last set of verses, we see this. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. For what purpose are we to be reconcilers in our local community? For the purpose of reconciliation. So that those in need of reconciliation can find it. Those who are lost can be found. Those who are sick can be healed. Those who are poor can be made rich. Those that were fatherless could be fathered. That's the purpose of our job as ambassadors of reconciliation. So that others, just like you and just like me, in our sin, hopeless, but being given hope through God's reconciliation in our life, so that we can bring them hopeless to God so that they may have hope. Verse 21, it's almost one of those verses that you look at and you think, I just need to know this, I need to absorb this, I need this to be the the theme of my life, knowing that for our sake, he made Christ that knew no sin to be sin, so that you and I would have the righteousness of God. That is no small feat, friends. We didn't earn the righteousness of God. There's nothing that we can do for that righteousness. But God freely gave it over through his son. As he reconciled us, he made his son to be the very sin that kept us from God. And he gave us reconciliation and he gave us righteousness. Some of you are probably thinking, what the heck does this have to do with local ministry and how in the world do I apply this to everything that we're talking about this month and this year and getting involved in other people's lives. And what I wanna do is I wanna walk through each place that we're involved and hear me when I say this, local ministry doesn't just happen in our five or six areas of local ministry in our church. 
the greatest desire of my heart and my life as a pastor and, and our hearts as pastors of this church is that you would be a person of like incarnational ministry. You would be a person that lives, breathes, eats, sleeps Jesus. And that no matter where you are or what you're doing, that you would seek out those in need of reconciliation. That is our hope. That is local ministry. When your life is given over in surrender to understanding that you are an ambassador of reconciliation. But we also know that with the difficulty of life, with all the things that go on, the stresses, the families, listen, I just got two kids, I get it. I promise. (gasps) Um, We also know that if we're not careful, we can easily stop, easily stop at just being reconciled and not take up our role as a reconciler. It's easy to miss that. And so what we wanna do, what I wanna do as a pastor and what we wanna do as a church is give you an open door, as wide open as we can to say, hey, walk in local ministry. We wanna make it easy for you to do that. We wanna make it easy for you to walk and be in local ministry. If there are other places that you serve, maybe you work with refugees uh, in the city or maybe you tutor kids or maybe you do all these other things, great. Here's what I'm gonna say, keep doing those things. Don't feel the pressure to do things once a month. Keep doing those things. But you better be doing them for the gospel. You better be doing them for the sake of others being reconciled. Because it's easy to help people. It's easy to help people. It's harder to bring the hope of Jesus to people. And so I pray that that's what you're doing. If you have other places that you want to serve in local ministry, I say do it, but do it with the understanding that all people everywhere need reconciliation. So here's what, I just wanna walk through some of these things with you. So the first thing is, and we have a couple uh, people from Glen Mary here. I love the Glen Mary. It's one of my favorite, favorite places, right? What we know about the Glen Mary is our ladies there that are like grandmothers to me and like care for me and kiss on me and love me, Right? They are women who are widows, shut-ins, in, in terrible health, that need care, that need, that need people in their lives. They are really, when you think about it, they are people that like are forsaken and alone. Like they're forsaken and alone. And the great thing is like, I can relate because guess what? I have been forsaken and alone. In my sin, that is exactly who I am. I am forsaken and I am alone. I'm forgotten about. I have no value. But the great thing when I look at my life and see that I was forsaken and alone, but because of Christ and his reconciliation, I have been united with God. I have communion with him. He has brought me in to his family and no longer am I alone. No longer am I forsaken, but I am loved and I'm cared for and I'm thought of and I'm together with Christ. And so when we look at that and say, yes, we've been forsaken and alone. Yes, we have people have seen we have no value in our sin, but God has given us all value. He has brought with us unity with him. It's that that we want to bring to those in our community. And who better to bring unity with God 
than someone who on a daily basis, guys, a daily basis, feels alone and forsaken. Who better to share the hope of Jesus with than ladies that need friendships and community? This past month, we were um, hanging out over there. It was so awesome. We got a chance to do trivia, which I always get to lead the trivia, and the ladies always hate me because I always make their brains hurt by the time we leave. Um, and so they always make fun of me while I'm over there. Miss Collier's laughing now. Um, but one of the things we got to do in this last, uh, this last time we were there is before the night ended, we had three or four tables of, of residents and students and members, and just we were all sitting there. And very organically, little by little, I don't know if you remember this, Miss Collier, but just each table began to pray for one another. We begin to hear about the stories of what's going on in people's lives. Uh, there's a sweet lady. Her name's Elaine. Uh, she can't hear at all. Uh, so when you say something, it's always, huh, what did you say? Um, but Elaine, I remember this past time and when we asked her what we could pray for her about, I remember Elaine saying, would you just pray that, that I would die in my sleep at peace and be united with God? That's the type of thoughts. That's the type of things some of these women are going through and having to deal with. They wake up every day wondering, when is my last day going to be? And what we get a chance to do is to bring joy and to bring love and to build community and laugh and laugh and laugh. And we get to rally around the understanding like we see in Deuteronomy 31, where it says, it is the Lord that goes before you and he will not leave you or forsake you. We get to rally around that, that none of us are forsaken or alone because the Lord goes before us. And I thank God for these women because they are giants in my life and leading me to know the Lord better. The experience and the wisdom that they share, they are not um, worthless. They are valuable in God's eyes and in our eyes. They are not forsaken alone. They have unity with Christ. We see... Uh, so that happens the first Tuesday of each month, which is just so awesome getting to be there with them. Another group that we hang out with is Memphis Athletic Ministries. We hang out there the second Friday of each month. And what we know about kids at MAM is that most of them come from one-parent homes. Most of them come from homes where they don't know who their dad is. Um, that's not something that I've ever experienced physically on this earth. But it is something I understand spiritually because there was a time in my life where I did not know who my father was, where the things of this world had left me orphaned, had left me behind, had left me to fend for myself, and had left me alone to do that. And so what I've known is who better, who better to father, who better to bring hope, who better to say you have a heavenly father that cares for you than children who don't even know their earthly father who don't have a relationship with him. Who better to bring the hope 
that we have a heavenly father that loves us, that cares for us, that's done everything for us to bring reconciliation in their life and give them relationship with their father that they've missed out on because their dad or another parent hasn't been in their life. Another story, I had a, um, one of our man guys, he's about 17 years old. He walked into my house about three weeks ago and I'd been hanging out with him. We've been playing video games together and just hanging out, been giving him some rides home. And so when he walked in, I thought he probably needs a ride home. I'm gonna get my keys that way I can take him home. So I asked him, I said, hey, do you need, you need a ride home? And he said, yes, but that's not, that's not why I'm here. I said, okay, why, why are you here? He said, I'm here because I want to know God. I don't know God. And I want to know him. I'm tired of living life the way that I thought it should be lived. I'm tired of doing things my own way. I'm ready to believe in something, to have faith in something that is bigger than me. I'm ready to be the man that God's called me to be. Will you, can you help? Will you help? That's not something you expect on a Tuesday night uh, at eight o'clock at night, right? It's not often that you get those kind of house visits and you're like, yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited. Like, what do we do? Let's just get started. But I also, what I also know about this guy is this. He's never known his dad. Doesn't know who he is. Never met him. I know that his parents, his mom, uses the money that she has to do the things that she wants with it and doesn't take care of her two children. I know that he lives with his grandmother. I know that he sleeps on the floor while his sister sleeps on the couch in the living room. I know that four out of seven nights he goes to bed hungry because there's not enough food in the house. And when there is food, he makes sure his sister, his grandmother, his grandfather, and his mom eat before he does. And that's the kid who walked into my house and said, I want to know who God is. I want to know who my heavenly father is. A kid who's experiencing far beyond what I could ever imagine or think, and I don't know how he's doing it. All I know is by the strength of the Lord, he's continually waking up each day rejoicing for another day of life and trying to live his life to please the Lord. And because of what God has done to reconcile me, to reconcile us, our group has been able to walk with him, to care for him, to love him, to play with him, to laugh with him. And he's seen that there's something that he's missing and that he needs. And reconciliation has been brought to his life. Because he's saying, I just want to know God. I want to know him. I want to know who my father is. You may not be fatherless. You may know your earthly father, but I promise you, each of us, before we knew and had relationship with God, we were fatherless. And we were hopeless. We were in despair, needing God to act on our behalf. So I encourage you, that's the second Friday of each month. It's not just man. We're reconciling those who are fatherless like we were to be fathered by God. Uh, the third, third one that we have is uh, St. Jude Target House. 
Um, and we see through here, Brad did a great job of telling us about um, the kids at St. Jude. What we know is thousands and thousands of families come to St. Jude every year because they've got the devastating news that their child has, has some form of cancer or disease that they're dealing with that can only be treated and specialized at this particular place. And so we look at these people and we would, we would say, these people are sick and they are suffering. And guess what? We can relate to them because friends, we have been sick and we suffer in this sickness, this sin that we deal with, that we were born into, that we, that we wrestle with in the here and now and the not yet, this sin, that is, it is our sickness and we suffer on behalf of it. You see Paul many times comes to the Lord and he has this, this pain in his side, this thing that's, that's driving him nuts, this thing that he's suffering about. And what does he ask the Lord? Please take this away from me. The Lord doesn't take that away, but in that suffering, he allows Paul to see the glory of God. He allows Paul to see the grace and mercy of God. You see, we are sick and suffering just like the kids that run in and out of that hospital every day. Without God, we have a disease that cannot be cured, but thank God that he has brought healing and he has brought comfort to our lives. We see in Revelation 21, he will wipe away every tear. There will be no more death, no more mourning, crying or pain. Those things have passed away. Friends, he has given us everything. He has given us healing and he has given us comfort in his son by what he's done on the cross and in his resurrection. We can relate to those at St. Jude because we were sick and we were suffering and we had something that was incurable, but God in his great mercy and grace cured us and brought us out of the grave and breathed into us new life. And because of that new life, we can celebrate, we can be reconciled, but we can bring that reconciliation to those that are experiencing sickness and suffering in ways that we could never imagine. I was talking to a family just two weeks ago. They're a family from Georgia. Their son is sick. He's got just a terrible cancer and it has rocked, rocked their family. And they're actually here. They're gonna be here for the next five or six months. And I got to sit with her and it was so neat because she got this concept. And I was sitting with her, even in this very room, she said, God has brought us here to St. Jude so that we can bring hope to other families that don't know him. And that we can be a bridge to the gospel to these families that other people can't. Because we can sit and we can look and we can say, I know exactly what you're going through. I have the same pain. I have the same hurt. I know the same hope of Christ. We are all suffering and sick, but Christ has given us everything. He has promised that he will wipe away every tear. We do, we're at St. Jude once a month. We're there on the third Monday of uh, every month. We get to hang out with kids, spend time with them, Watch them laugh in the middle of like some of the darkest hours of their life. And you will leave that place wondering, God, what am I gonna do about this? Because you're confronted 
with the sickness and the suffering of this world like no other place. But that's the exact place that God wants us because in that there is healing and there is reconciliation. Another place that we serve is just right across the road at Salvation Army. We're there the uh, last Thursday of every month. Um, this, oh, these ladies have become like family. There are a couple in particular that like are just sisters to me, like seriously. Um, what I know about the ladies there is they come from situations that uh, are really, really hard. Um, that they come from addiction, they come from poverty, they come from homelessness. And they're working through that and trying to figure out what in the world they're supposed to do and how in the world they're supposed to find reconciliation. And so although I don't know what it's like to um, need restoration and addiction, what I do know is that I need redemption and I need restoration in my own life. You see, God has done everything to provide that for me because I was hopeless on my own. There is nothing that I could do on my own to find hope and healing and find rest and find comfort. There was nothing that I could do to find the riches of God on my own because I was poor in spirit. And the wonderful thing about this ministry and these ladies and their kids is this. They may have nothing when it comes to material things, but what we see through scripture is that God has chosen even those who are poor of the world to be rich in faith. And to be heirs of the kingdom promised to those who love them. That's James chapter 2. Those who pour this world, it doesn't matter. Guess what? God has given you the riches of heaven. In faith, God has given you everything that you need. You may not have the things that you want here on this world, but there's a promise by God that he will bankrupt heaven for you, that you will get everything that is his, that you will be an inheritor and heir of all that is his. And that he has made this promise that the riches of heaven are yours. And it's through Christ that you obtain those riches. Because Christ is the very treasure that we hold. You see, I may not understand physically what it's like to be poor and hurting in ways, trying to get out of addiction or trying to get out of homelessness or difficult situations. But what I do know is what it's like to be poor in spirit. I do know what it's like to be broke spiritually with God. I do know what it's like to be broken at the very end of my rope and saying, God, I cannot do this anymore. I need your help. And these are the questions and these are the answers and these are the very words coming out of women's mouths every month. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of doing things the way I wanna do it. God, I need your help. Would you give me everything that I need? I celebrate this ministry because it's in this ministry that we've seen reconciliation happen. Tiffany's sitting here today. I just love you so much. When I think of this ministry, I just see your face and I just want to like, I just want to cry because what I know in speaking with Tiffany several times is like she never wanted anything to do with church. She didn't want anything to do with people that loved God or knew God or had a relationship with God. She thought they were crazy and she didn't want to be a part of it. But in talking to her last week a little bit, as we sat on a park bench outside my house, um, she said, did you, you know when I knew God was real? I said, when? 
She said, it was the first time I'd come to your church. We were in the book of Ephesians, right? She said, through the whole message, there were questions that kept happening. God, if you're this, then what? If Jesus, well, if Jesus does this, then what? The whole message, these questions would pop up. She said, for the first time in my life, every time a question would pop up, the very next words out of Barrett's mouth would be the answer to what I asked. And she walked out of church that day knowing that God was real and knowing that she had hope to get out of the pit that she was in and to be in unity with God. And she was an inheritor of the riches of Christ. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. That's the reconciliation we're seeing time and time and time again through ministries like Salvation Army. We also see this in uh, ESL, we see an understanding of strangers. We are all strangers to the kingdom of God. We don't understand it. We're not a, really a part of it. But in Romans 12, 13, it says, contribute to the needs of the, uh, of the saints. Extend hospitality to the, to the stranger. We are to extend hospitality to the stranger. Why? Because God has extended his hospitality to us. He has made an eternal home for us. And even though we were strangers and we were dead in sin and we were far from God, he had done everything to bring us to him and make it hospitable for us to be in unity with him. And through ESL, we see people from all countries. We see in this last year, people from Russia, Iran, China, Spain, Venezuela, Guatemala, it goes on and on and on. Everywhere, every corner of this world has been represented in our ESL classes. And it's not just to learn English. They're here to learn English. But what most of them are coming for, believe it or not, I had a conversation just last week with two people that were from Spain, have been here for over five years. They connected with us about three years ago and did ESL and then had dropped off and had started coming back in the last couple of weeks. And I said, why are, you, why are you coming back to ESL? Your English is pretty good. You know, why are you here? And they said, what we know is all of our Spanish friends end up leaving. They're here for a couple of years and then they go. We're ready to make community with people that care about us. And for the last four or five years, this, the people in this group have chased after us, has, have asked us how we're doing, have, have kept tabs on us. And it's time that we want to be in community with you. There are people, there are strangers that are just dying to know the love of Christ. Dying to know the love that people who follow Christ have. All we have to do is realize that we are once strangers to God. But he's done everything to welcome us in. And we are to be welcomers to those who are strangers. And, and welcomers to those who don't know him. That happens every Monday night here and it's so much fun. The last thing I want to talk about is uh, our lost. We know that a general understanding is like people are lost. Like without the hope of the Lord, people are lost. They are wandering around and saying, what in the world is this world for? Why? What is my purpose? Why am I here? And what we know is one of the greatest areas of lostness in our community is probably the place where you live the most, where you drive back and forth to on the island. Over 7,000 residential homes on the island, no church, except ours. And most of those people, to be honest, all y'all that came on the island, there wasn't traffic getting out to Sunday today, was there? There wasn't. They're there. 
They don't have a community. They don't have a home. They don't have a relationship with Christ. Maybe it's because they feel like they have all the resources in the world that they need. And they can just be happy in that and live in that. But the truth is, like, the one resource that they need, they don't have. And that's relationship with Christ. And how do we even communicate that to people who have everything and have no real physical needs? People need community. People need community. The rich, the poor, the sick, the hurting, everyone needs community. And what we've seen over the past year or two years with specific partnerships on Mud Island is that we've seen we've been able to open our doors. We've been able to extend our hands. We've been able to give lunches to teachers at Maria Montessori School. And we've been able to uh, take care of yard work at Flick and uh, have orientations for families here. We've been able to just be wide open and care and serve those families and those people. And what we've seen is that we have become friends of those people. And although, although they may not agree with our message, kind of like what Paul was talking about in the beginning of this, they don't quite understand the message, but what they understand is that, they, that we love them and that we care for them. And the influence that we have in these areas is great because we have been found in Christ. We're no longer lost. We've been found in him. Whew. So, You want to talk about how to be reconcilers? It's wide open. All of that's available to you. Our desire is for you to walk in that. To say, you know what? How has God gifted me and skilled me in ways to walk in local ministry? How can I use my life, my reconciled life, to be a reconciler for God? We've made it easy. One of the things I want you to do today as you go home, you'll see on your seat, there's a magnet. I want you to stick it on your fridge. It just reminds you of where we're serving and when we're serving. Every week you can look at that and say, I've got an opportunity to reach the fatherless this week. I've got an opportunity to reach the widow this week. I've got an opportunity to be a part of orphans and uh, their lives. I've got an opportunity to be a part of lives of those who are poor and hurting. I have an opportunity to help those who are sick and suffering. The opportunities are there. The workers are few. I charge you to find a place in this next year to plug in and say, you know what? I'm committed here to serve these people for this next year in the view for me to be a reconciler to them. As you leave today, what we'll have is we'll have all of our champions outside. If you came in and saw a lot of booths, um, basically it's just booths that kind of represent what we do in these local ministries. And so as you leave today, I encourage you, I ask of you, I, I plead with you, go by and talk to those champions. See what they have to say about these particular areas. And before you leave, put your name down, sign up to be a part of what God is doing in our city, to be a reconciler to him, to those who don't know him, to those who need reconciliation. Would you pray as we move into that time? Heavenly Father, God, you have given us everything. God, there is nothing that we have to offer. There's no deed, there's no action, there's no service that we can give that repays what you've done. But Father, I pray that it's out of the joy of our heart, that it's out of the, just the overflow of our spirit 
that we understand that you have reconciled us to yourself and that you have called us. You have asked us to come alongside of you and be ministers and ambassadors of reconciliation. I pray that you would allow us to take that call seriously. God, to not see time with others in these areas as as a sacrifice, but God, see it as an investment in your kingdom. God, that one day we will be able to see people reconciled to you because of the work that you've called us to. God, I thank you for those already that have come and been a part of our church, like have been grafted into community with you, in unity with you through local ministry. I thank you, God. God, I pray in this next year, would you just flood our doors? God, would you just flood this church? God, would you just flood our cars as we pick people up to come to church? God, as we uh, have people at our home for dinner, God, as we spend time with them, God, would you just flood our thoughts and our lives with all of these people? Would you convince us that it is not about us, it is about them? And the call that you've made to us is to be reconcilers so that they can be reconciled to you. I pray we give that up today in full surrender of you. Asking not how you can further bless us, but God, how we can work and serve you and bring reconciliation to this city. You are the God of this place. You're the God of this city. God, you are God of the whole world. God, we ask you to motivate us and to move us to know and to see